Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete. I'm Kerry Rouse, and I travel to racetracks around the U.S., where I interview members of the racing community and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. I am here with Matt Smotherman, and just met Matt today. We are at Eagles Canyon Raceway in Decatur, Texas, for an SCCA race weekend. Uh, Matt, you are from Oklahoma. That's correct. Please um, don't hold it against me. I didn't tell you I was from there, too. Oh, you didn't? No, I didn't no. tell you that. I'm actually from Claremore, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I, I was happy to hear that you're a Texas fan and not, not an OU fan. Not an OU fan. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, uh, this is officially, is it officially your first race? I think it's it's the it's officially my first race as a driver, so I think it's officially my first race. I had the whole race of remembrance thing out in Anglesey, but I was a backup driver, so I got on the track for testing, day and night qualifying, and that was it. Yeah. So this is this first, is different. First wheel to wheel, I guess. Yes. Yep. Right. And you're driving this car right here. Yes, this wonderful orange and blue Mazda 2. That's right, Mazda 2 from Chris Taylor Racing, and. Um, you were all, I mean, two sessions, two practice sessions on the track. You got two more today. Yeah. You are already dropping your time big time. So yes. um, you're going to have a good week, I, I think. I'm hoping to. I'm yeah. hoping to. If I can figure it out and then kind of dial in what the right thing is and then try not to make any mistakes and be safe. I mean, it's going to be different as soon as I've got people in traffic. Everyone else here is a lot more experienced than I am when it comes to the door-to-door, wheel-to-wheel racing yeah. and stuff. So, I mean... It's going to be a matter of kind of keeping my head on a swivel and being yeah. smart. Well, as long as you stay in front, you don't have to be door to door. Yeah, that's the idea, right? That's the <laughs> idea. <laughs> well, um, I see you wearing a Skip Barber Racing School shirt. So uh, when I asked you about this, tell me a little bit about how you got into to racing because it's an interesting story and yeah. and that's things you've already done and this is your first wheel to wheel. So I, you know. yeah. So there's. Going back in the Wayback Machine to as a kid, I was always just a racing fan, and but it was mainly just like maybe the occasional rental go-kart type thing and the occasional track day, and then it evolved into sim racing. Uh, so first it was like, you know, Forza Motorsport and Gran Turismo and that kind of thing, and then it went to sim racing, and it was sim racing that actually ended up opening up all the doors. Um, do you want the long version or do you want the medium oh, version? Oh, I want the long version, yeah. The long version? Okay. So, the long version is I spent 16 years in the military uh, in the Oklahoma Army National Guard and spent time overseas, deployed in a combat zone in Afghanistan, got blown up several times by IEDs and stuff. So I've had a lot of injuries that have followed me throughout my life for the last, I don't know, it's like 10, 11, 12 years, something that was back in 2011. So whatever that math works out to. Um, and so I ended up medically retiring uh, two years ago. And as I was medically retiring, it was, it was kind of a gut punch, just the way it all ended up going down, what it kind of ended up feeling like for me in terms of my sense of personal identity and you know, as much as I try not to wrap that up in what I do. Mm -hmm. um, but I found a lot of solace in sim racing. So I found myself in, I got myself a sim rig and a VR. Why do you have to tell me about the sim? I want to know about the sim yeah. rig too. 
Right. So the sim rig, I have I'm basically it's all. I started with like your little simple little Logitech thing and whatever, and then that just like this isn't enough. I need more and more and more. Now I have a gaming PC, Fanatec wheel setup, Fanatec pedal setup, and I have a Valve Index for VR, so I get that immersion and everything like that. So I, like that's my thing, and so I started really getting into that, and it became like an opportunity for me as I was transitioning out of the military, and also at the same time, I'm an attorney, and I was just getting burned out, it all everything just came to a head, and I was getting burned out, and I just started phasing out my legal practice, and the medical retirement thing started happening, and I was basically using, in a way I was using sim racing as a coping mechanism, um, but it was a nice thing where you could just find a sense of peace, and like, I don't want to, over, don't want to misuse the term, but like kind of a sense of serenity and like perfecting that lap, and just getting, you know, better at something. At least I felt like I was making progress in that. And then, as I was doing that and getting really heavily into that, I saw something that was like this Operation Motorsport has partnered with um, iRacing, and they're going to have like a broadcast league and stuff. And I was like, this Operation Motorsport, it rang a bell. And somebody in the sim league that I'd been running in had actually been a part of that. They uh, had been a part of Operation Motorsport as a beneficiary. I knew nothing about this. I looked up Operation Motorsport, and I found out that is this veteran-owned, veteran-run, 501c3, charitable organization focused on using motorsports to help rehabilitate and transition medically retiring or disabled veterans. And they were using sim racing as what they referred to as diversionary therapy. Yep. And I'm like, this is exactly yeah. what I've been doing for the last yes. year and a half. So it was like, I, I looked at the website, I reached out to them, and one thing led to another, and I was like, I have to at least talk to you guys because we're just on the same page right now, even if nothing comes of this. And then they were like, well, come on and join our league. We're going to be like running our league. So I hopped in the league and I won every race. <laughs> and I was like, well, this well, is fantastic. Well, they didn't know who you are, yeah. Right. Well, and then, and then so that was, that was in the fall of, oh gosh, I don't even want to, was it 2020, 2021? I don't remember. Uh -huh. Yeah. But they're like, well, do you want to activate with us as a beneficiary? And what they do with that is they will take beneficiaries or take these veteran service members who are medically retired or wounded or whatever their situation might be and give them an opportunity to activate using their various motorsports connections, whether it's uh, SRO or IMSA or whatever it might be. And they put people, these beneficiaries, as an activation, kind of this military terminology, military okay, concept. Okay, I was, uh, yeah. Yeah, and they embed them in a team and they become a member of that team so if you're on like say for example we had beneficiaries who were with skip arbor racing school and their tc america series with sro and they we had like fuel and tire guys and so they are part of that team they're wearing the uniforms they are doing all the work they're they they you know they live with they sleep with they eat with and they work with the members of that team for that week or that weekend yep. and then they go off and they do their own thing afterward and they just reset and do that as much as they possibly as much as they can and the idea behind it is that you kind of reinvigorate this this sense of team identity and purpose yeah. that you otherwise lost by stepping out of the military and so um i did that and i went with sro skipping ahead a little bit further next thing you know in the spring of last year they announced that they, Operation Motorsport announced that they were partnering with Skip Arbor Racing School. And 
they were like, well, we're going to be going over to this thing called the Race of Remembrance, which I have vaguely heard about. And it's, a, it's an annual event over in Wales. But they're like, we're going to partner with Skip Barber Racing School. They're going to provide two cars. We're going to provide beneficiary drivers. So I have like a beneficiary driver on a Canadian team and an American team, along with some professional drivers, some Skip Barber teams, Skip Barber team personnel, and also with uh, beneficiary like mechanics and maintenance and tire fuel and all that kind of stuff to basically go over there with like 40 some odd people and run this big endurance race over in Wales on this like cliffside track. It is absolutely picturesque. It's beautiful. But as part of that, they're like, well, so we have four or five beneficiaries. Myself, I was one of them because of what had happened in the sim racing league. And they're like, we're going to send you to Skip Barber Racing School if you want to go. And I'm like, of course I want to go. <laughs> like, of course. <laughs> like, this is like a dream come true. Are you serious? Like, drive a race car? You bet. And so we uh, went over for the, uh, the three-day basic and two-day advanced course all in one week. We stayed at this little B&B over at Lime Rock. Uh, in Connecticut, me and like four, four of the beneficiaries just had a heck of a time and got done with that and now we like are able to have our racing licenses and that way we can go over there. I was just going to go over as a backup driver but skipping over the race of remembrance, you skip over that, had the race of remembrance and now it's here and I have a full competition license and I haven't actually used it yet until today. Yeah. So, yeah. Man, that, that is amazing. So there is another organization. I. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna. I don't want to say the wrong name, but it's somebody I met at VIR, and they help uh, veterans with PTSD. Mm. And the same thing, you put them in an environment that's kind of um, you've got to really focus, and yeah. it helps with the PTSD. And and they're finding that um, that actually helps after the experience. Like oh, it, yeah. it helps them overall get better. So. Oh yeah. Um, Absolutely. I, um, it's not the same group as that, but I'm sure they're, they're doing very similar, very similar things. Yeah, it sounds a lot like it. I mean, that's because that's consistent with what my experience has been, like being able to be working within SRO. So I, so I went in and I was working SRO, not necessarily on a team, but within the, uh, the staff team. Yeah. And I started off in tech and it wasn't quite a great, great fit because of some of my physical limitations. So they moved me up to race control. And I've been working in race control with them since the beginning of last season. So people that don't know, what is race control? So, <laughs> race control, from a military perspective and from a civilian perspective. From a military perspective, it's much like a tactical operations center. So you have your all the different personnel with their different duties, the different responsibilities, helping to monitor, manage, and make everything work smoothly. On this, from a civilian perspective, it's just it's organizing chaos. It's taking what like it's taking what could easily be a giant goat rope, something just and have everything go completely wrong but you have and, and making it all look like what everyone sees out there on the track in this organized event that is safe and well run so you have your clerk of the course you have your race director who's usually in the, like the clerk of the course is like talking to the various people on the radio there's like every single person is juggling like three or four different things you have somebody talking to the safety team somebody talking to the corner workers this person is listening and monitoring to all of them somebody listening and talking to timing and scoring you're monitoring all the data all the cameras and all that different stuff there's like you know anywhere between five and ten people working in race control everybody has their own roles and all the role and each role has like three or four major responsibilities for yeah. making it work so um, like it's it's the 
it's the big box where where all the big brains sit in supposedly i don't know yep. how they let me in there but <laughs> they let all everybody up in there and they're the ones who make the show happen they're the ones who call things over the radio and call full course yellow safe car all that kind of stuff and the kind of work that you guys do in there it's primarily done during the race it's like there, there isn't really a race control like, oh, let's get everybody to the track. That's not race control. No. Is it? Race control is during the race, right? Making sure that it's get pulled off. Exactly. Awesome. That's the race operations. Yeah. Um, and then when you traveled to do that, you're a race control. You were a backup driver. Yes. You did say you got some practice sessions or something. I like did. That? Yeah. So in in order. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to get any seat time. I thought I was going to basically go over as a backup driver, basically in name only. Yeah. I, my, my job actually was as the crew chief for the American team, which I was like, okay, never crew chiefed a team before. It ended up working out great, especially because we had some great people from Skip Barber Racing School there to help like, kind of shadow and mentor. Yep. Um, but as far as the actual, like in the car, I thought it was going to be in name only because I'm the crew chief. That's a bigger responsibility. But then, like in the weeks leading up to it, I didn't even—I didn't even have any racing gear and stuff like that. I had a helmet, and that was it, and gloves. I had gloves as well. Okay. I wasn't expecting to bring anything or do anything, and then it was like I looked at one of the regulations, try to be a good crew chief in advance, and I'm looking at it as like, wait, in order for someone to be a reserve driver, you actually have to qualify day and night. Otherwise, you can't sub in if something oh, happens to yeah. somebody during the race because it's a two-day event. Yep. It's mm -hmm. uh like five six hours on the first day and then you know six seven hours or whatever like that on the second day and you know if something happened to somebody and sure enough something did happen not during the race but just prior to the race like the two other backup drivers they weren't able to make it for one reason or another so i was the only backup driver and so when it came time for us to do like you know some testing and stuff like that i hopped in it and i'm like don't crash don't crash don't <laughs> crash don't crash because it would have been so bad um and then had to do some day qualifying and night qualifying and I was like don't crash don't crash don't crash like just get around you had to do a minimum of three laps got it day and night and that track is not lit at night oh at oh. all wow so well what were you driving what was the car it was a uh, it was a Honda Civic Type R TC car so my understanding is I'm pretty sure it's the same car no it is I know it is because it got crashed at Sonoma today or like the other month um, the it was a one of the TC America, uh, or sorry, one of the TC cars that they run in SRO, in the GT World Challenge whole series. Uh, but it was slightly detuned just for reliability purposes because it was gonna be a 12 hour endurance race. So yeah. they just kind of pulled the power back a little bit, but it was a fully gutted out Honda Civic Type R. Um, great car, it was a really good car. So whenever you were doing uh, the Skip Barber School, yes. what do you get to drive during that? So that was for what we did. We went to the GT schools. They also have an open wheel one, so yep. you drive like their Skippy F4 cars. Yep. Um, this was their their Mustang. Okay. Not quite like the FR500, if anyone's familiar with iRacing and stuff like that, the FR500. It's like that, just less power, which at first I was like, okay, I guess we're going to drive a Mustang. No hate on Mustangs or anything like that, but it was an older Mustang that just kind of felt a little bit squishy like a boat. But it ended up being an, like an outstanding training platform because yeah. you get to feel the weight transfer so much. And it was my first time ever being in any sort of race race prep car ever. So like learning all the different things that you need to learn about. And for me personally, just having come from sim racing, it was quite an experience because there's always this like, it's like I'm, I can be fast in a sim, but if you've never actually driven a real car, it's like, 
in the sim you have your eyes you have your ears and you have your hands that's it that's all you have to like tell you what the car is actually doing whereas in the car like you have like the seat of your pants oh yeah and everything else and it's just so much more visceral of yeah. the experience so um so when you did the train where was the you told me the barber training was where at uh lime rock lime rock yes. so you've been on that track i have you've been on this one now yes is that it I mean, other, than, other than overseas i've been on howlett okay i've been on howlett for a track day in my own car okay so race cars this one anglesey yeah in wales and uh lime rock okay That's and it. what what uh street car did you have on um uh howlett a hyundai veloster m i okay. figured it'd be good I, I did that before going over to anglesey yeah because i figured front wheel drive similar type of platform like kind of just make sure I got some of this down so so you're not the first person I met who um, I went to comp, comp school at MSR Houston like two and a half years ago okay and I met um, a person there a guy there um, a lot younger than me and it was just you know almost like the first time in a car and they put him in a, a Ford uh, spec racer car and that's what he's racing now and he had never been on a track before, right? And, yeah. and he, he did fine at, at that. But now, two years later, I met him at Hallett and yeah. some other places. He's like in the top six. Really? And that's a huge, it's a super competitive group. Yeah. And he said that the sim racing just absolutely helped so much. It yeah. allowed him to, to advance really fast. So yeah. how, I mean, um, what is it? Is it cost something to get in a sim league or just the rig? It depends, right? So like there's a the cost of entry is a thing. There's various so as far as software, there's you can do a set of courses at competition, which is uh, GT3 mainly. Um, you can get it there's R Factor 2, there's various types of sim racing stuff. I've been doing iRacing. iRacing is a subscription service. The other ones is just upfront cost and maybe downloadable content and you're free to play. But iRacing is more of a service type thing. And the idea behind it is that it keeps people more accountable because yeah. like if you're gonna get if you're gonna act like an idiot and people report you, they'll review the incidents and you can get suspended or banned and like you lose like access to the service. It's like, well you paid a lot for, like you had to buy the cars, buy the tracks, and so I have no idea how much money I've sunk into that, but let's just say like a couple hundred dollars or something like that into the just the certain no, so like three hundred dollars or something like that in terms of the service. The wheel and pedal setup. If you want a good one, you're going to be spending anywhere between $500 and $1,000. Maybe you might find one secondhand. The rig and stuff like that, maybe anywhere between like $200 and where well, you can go, you can spend a lot of money on that. Gaming PC, like $1,000 or $2,000, whatever it is. You can play it on a low end thing. And for me, I have VR, VR headsets, so I was like another $500 to $1,000. So whatever that math adds up to. Yeah, like that's but how much I spent. mean, but honestly, though, when you consider like going off track at the wrong spot at the wrong time in a real car uh-huh you you can you know pay for that stuff over and over and over again exactly right? so the experience you get for the cost is really good so. i i 100 agree that's like it's it's a safe way to really learn and the simulators themselves like iRacing for me like has been really really helpful in just learning things like i thought that i knew what i was doing before I hopped over into iRacing from like Forza Motorsport and Gran Turismo, I was like, I do sim racing, I know what I'm doing. And like, I felt like I had the confidence to be able to just jump in a car and do stuff. 
and I was completely wrong. And that's when it like in order to be able to get better, in order to like kind of improve my craft in within racing, not only did I have to get better with wheel to wheel racing and stuff like that, but just the basic fundamentals of the car as far as like you know, trail braking and the smoothness of your inputs and stuff like that, understanding the racing line and how to learn a track and stuff like that. And then I find myself like picking up books like Speed Secrets and stuff like that and like watching all these like different videos and coaching and stuff like that and learning all that stuff. And it's like it ends up becoming an incredibly valuable training platform, especially for somebody like myself who didn't have real world experience to kind of lean on. And I would dare say it's easier to go from sim racing into a real car than it is to go from real car into sim racing, simply because you have less to work off yeah. of. So you have to like understand what the car is doing before you feel what the car is doing in yeah. a way. Whereas it's kind of like you feel everything immediately whenever you're in the car. So there's just more information and it becomes an issue of just translating what you've already learned and what you already know. So what are your plans this year for racing? I try to not make too many long-term plans. I've, I'm still doing the whole SRO thing, so I'm working at race control like once a month, basically. I'm going out there uh, for their whole circuit of racing. So with, with that setup, yeah. I mean, it's you're getting an incredible experience making connections, but it's, it's not a paid position. True. Um, but, you know, a lot of people would, would pay to do that kind of thing, right. you know? Yeah. So that's really cool. And then, you know, um, Skip Barber gets yep. uh, a competent person who just loves the sport and gets involved with it. So that's yep. uh, that's a pretty cool program. Yeah, no, it's really cool, and it's like the SRO, the SRO people, incredible. The Operation Motorsport people, incredible as well. The program itself, as far as linking people up within motorsports, using those connections to kind of rebuild that kind of sense of I don't know. A lot of people come out of their military experience when they have to get when they get medically separated or retired in one way or another broken in a lot of different ways and we end up feeling like kind of discarded broken toys yeah and so being able to kind of get plugged into something that you really enjoy especially for motorsports enthusiasts with people who also enjoy that working together in a dynamic situation to problem solve and like you know um, accomplish whatever mission that is whether it's winning a race or whether it's making sure the race goes smoothly and stuff like that like it's incredibly gratifying and so that experience for me has been like tremendous as far as helping me in my own personal journey of rehabilitation yep so that's been great but and it's also given me the opportunity now because i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to be here doing real racing if it weren't for everything that has started with operation motorsport skip barber and sending me to skip barber so that i can actually have a license to use this yeah. and actually do this so none of this would even be possible if it weren't yep. for that um, well, you've got uh, an SRO race coming up in Austin. I do. I'm going there. I'm going to see you there and all the other Skip Barber folks. I'm excited about that. I'm going to cover that race. Uh, do you have any, any other Skip Barber ones planned out for yourself or not? You mean as far as like the race that Skip Barber's going to be at? Yeah, yeah, where you're supporting race. Well, I'm, it's, uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to be at every single oh. one of them. So they, okay. with, with an SRO, they run the, they run the GT World Challenge okay. series. They run the GT America, GT4 America, and then they have a TC, which has three different classes in there. Skip Barber Racing School has like, I want to say three, four cars or something like that that they run in that series. So I'm up there in race control watching them and cheering them on and stuff like so that. So you're going to be at every single SRO race? That's the, that's the plan. With the, unless, 
with the exception of Nashville, I'm going to be there for the rest of the SRO season. So next we have a... Uh, How many art races are there in the SRO? I want to say there's like eight or nine or something like okay. that. It depends. Like they start off at St. Petersburg and they did Sonoma. Then we had New Orleans just now, like just recently. So yeah. we're just down in New Orleans. Food is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I love New Orleans is the food. Oh, it's so good. And then we have uh, Circuit of the Americas coming up. And then there's going to be VIR. We had Watkins Glen last year, but we don't have that. Then there's Nashville, Music City Grand Prix. So it's a, they've run some of the series beneath the, uh, the IndyCar series. Um, and then there's Road America. I'm forgetting at least one of them. Uh, but then it, it all ends with an eight-hour endurance race in Indianapolis. Okay. So that's going to be in like October, I think it is. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, gosh, there was something else I was going to ask you too. Is about um, I don't know if it was about the tracks or not. But but you have been to, you have been how long have you been in this position working? for Skip Barber and Race Control or any other capacity? So I'm not necessarily working for Skip Barber yep. per se, but like I just have that connection yep. and the, having worked with them and stuff like yep. that. But having worked in Race Control with and for SRO, yep. in my capacity as an Operation Motorsport Beneficiary, that started, so I started as a beneficiary last, was it March, I think it was? It was the very beginning, it was the first race in Sonoma. Uh, last year, that was my first time ever being in Sonoma, which is just surreal. But it was that was my first time in Sonoma, and then my first race in my my first time in race control in that capacity was in New Orleans last year. So that would have been like April, May, like yeah. roughly a year. Yeah, ago. about a year ago. So about a year. Um, when you were overseas, you said you were a crew chief. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I was the crew chief. You mean overseas, not yeah. in my military capacity. That's right. Not in the military. <laughs> um, what for folks that are listening? Like, yeah. What does a crew chief do? Goodness. I w if I did more, if I did more of it, I'd have a better answer. I'd be able to <laughs> verbalize it better. Um, the crew chief's job is basically to make sure that all the people who are working on the car get that car ready, and the car is where it needs to be, ready to go and then running. And then once it's running, I'm on the radio and I'm speaking with whichever driver is actually in there. Um, I'm setting up, I'm making sure like, for example, if we have a pit stop that needs to come in or we have an issue on there, I'm communicating with the driver and he's communicating back to me. I'm giving him information based that either that's being relayed to me or that I have based off the timing screen, letting him know like, you know, what his last lap time was, if he didn't actually catch that. You know, we had an issue, for example, with fuel. Um, the fuel thing on the car, the fuel gauge wasn't really working so you had to reset it it wasn't resetting so I'm over here I spent like like each stint I'm over here like hand calculating the fuel numbers I was like what was your burn rate this last lap oh it was this okay at this rate this burn like that you should be this 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 we're gonna have you pit right around here yeah. or then we get a safety car because somebody's car blew up or something yeah. like that and it's like okay go ahead and call him into the pits so it's a lot of that kind of just radio management and then making sure that all the crew is ready to go with what we need to do so we can get the car in and out. So it was a lot of different things. It felt a little bit like hurting cats at some time, at certain points, but everyone was so professional. There's, it's not that hard to do that. Awesome. But yeah. Well, um, I want to give you a chance to give a shout out uh, for promoting anything or anybody that's helped you um, uh, that, that you want to say thanks to and uh, other people need to know about it. Yeah. Well, okay, so I, the, the first one that I would shout out to is going to be Operation Motorsport. Operation Motorsport has given me the, like, 
I would not be in this position, and I'd probably be in a worse position in general in life if it weren't for them and what they and what their program has done for me and enabled me to be able to experience and do. So, like, it is a veteran-run, veteran-funded, fund, 501c3 charitable organization that is absolutely dedicated to helping people who are in my situation or worse uh, kind of start a new chapter in their life. It's not necessarily to get a new job, but it's to rekindle that sense of team identity and purpose through what they say, like exciting and engaging and empowering work that you end up getting, that you're able to do with uh, the teams that you're with, whether it's in a staff capacity and race control like myself, or in tech, working at SRO, or working with one of the endurance teams running the 24 hours of Daytona or something, or working embedded, working tires and fuel with Skip Barber Racing School as they run their TC cars. Um, it's, it's an incredible program and an incredible organization. And anyone who's in a situation like mine or even is interested in that sort of thing should check them out. And then the other one I shout out to is Skip Barber Racing School because they're the ones who, through whom I was able to get my uh, my uh, full competition license and even be able to be here. So yeah, shout awesome. Matt, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank it's you. a pleasure meeting you. I want to thank you for listening to Driven to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. If you like the content, please share and like, but I have one ask for everyone listening. I would appreciate more than anything to add you to my weekly newsletter. Simply visit my website, driventocompete.com, and you'll see a form to get on my newsletter where I share exclusive content and giveaway swag. Bye.